0: I recently got a new dog and it's a Bernice mountain dog and the dog likes to climb high up on high things. So I thought, hey, I'm going to go to the pulpit and I'm going to preach up there tonight. So I hope you don't mind being high. Maybe it can help you see me a little more. I know I'm tall already, but I do enjoy uh, the view from up here. I've always kind of wondered what would it be like to be up there uh, giving a homily. So I'm going to go for this tonight. I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for being here. You know, we live in a world, um, when you look at reality, as, as I've been, been journeying with uh, Gianna, Brighton, and Grace, we've been looking at how do we see the world through different lenses and looking at reality. What's the reality? Like, what's the state of the world? And one thing that we're just noticing is, is, is hope is at an all-time low. But we know when we read Romans 5, St. Paul says, hope never disappoints. So our goal for this homily, my goal for this homily, is to fill you with a spirit of hope. Now, I just want to focus on four things tonight uh, the first one is, again, reality. The second word is remember. The third word is rescued. And the fourth word is respond. Reality. How do we see the world? About a month ago, a group of men from our Newman Center, we went to the Estovere Men's Conference, and we were really blessed to have Monsignor James Shea, who is the president of the University of Mary, speak to us. But one thing he talked about was why everyone is so angry. And talking about anger, he was talking about the word utopia. When you break down the etymology of the word utopia, you put the letter U in front of it, which means no. And topos, which comes from topography, means land, no land. And so many people are are just simply angry because they're not living in reality. Usually two camps we find ourselves falling into is this this hyper-optimism of looking at, like, okay, everything's good, i got to look for the good in everything, but let's just be honest, sometimes life is just straight-up really difficult, and it's very hard to find good in things. The second camp a lot of people fall into is the camp of hyper-pessimism. If things were just this way, then things would be better. We fall into these utopian mindsets. But where's the, the middle ground it's reality, which is, which is based in humility, accepting that which is true. What's the truth? What's the reality of our world right now? For, for Brighton and for Grace and for Gianna, we've been lo- going through the Rescue Project, and we learned there that deaths of despair are at an all-time high in the United States. We have more money than we've ever had. We have more food, more resources. Yet have the three top causes of death in the United States right now, our suicide cirrhosis of liver due to alcohol overdose for men the average age of dying of cirrhosis liver is 35 right now in the united states and then the opioid crisis but we're called to do as as christians we're called to see the world a different way and sometimes we fall in that utopian mindset with many different things. The things are just this way or, oh, things are always, we just do this thing, it's so good, there's always good in something. But like, again, sometimes life is just straight up difficult. We've been journeying through that these past three days, going through Holy Thursday, looking at the, the institution of the priesthood and the institution of the Eucharist, looking at Jesus, the God-man, God-made man, coming to us and lowering himself to the point of washing his disciples' feet. I don't know about you, but I personally think feet are disgusting, so I kind of get what he's doing, right? But at, at a certain level, when we look at the theological understanding of what Jesus is doing, only slaves wash the feet. So when Peter is being asked to wash the feet, or being asked to have his feet washed, he's actually, he says, I need to wash all of you. I need to wash all of you. And what Jesus is doing, he's ordaining him a priest. And then, after serving them, he said, I've given you a model to follow. And he gives them his body in the Holy Eucharist. One person betrays him, Judas, who is overtaken by Satan. And Satan hates you and I. As we go on through the rescue project, we looked at Satan rebelled against humanity out of envy of us. Satan is actually envious of you and me because why? Because we're made in God's image and likeness. We are the one creature that God wanted a relationship with. And the God that we, we know, he knows us by name. He knows us by name. Which is, the second word is remember. When you look at the word remember, it means like to bring back together. Our world is divided over so many things, and again, I think it's because a lot of us, if we're just honest, we've fallen into a utopian mindset. <laughs> and it's divided us. But the reality is, is that this God who, who loves you and knows you by name doesn't wanna see you suffer. He actually, it breaks his heart after the first fall of, of man, of Adam and Eve when they fell, like that crushed our God. And he just, with this deep compassion, just said, where are you? Saying, I don't want you to be a part. I want you to be a member and to be remembered into my family. So to prove his love to us, he sent his son, Jesus, to go to war with sin and death to the third word, which is rescue us. So often we live in this culture that just, we just want to so badly be in control. And we want to so badly have it all figured out. But when you look at our God who came to rescue us, he was born into an absolute pigsty, into a mess. But often when we look at Jesus and Mary and Joseph and you ask the question, why are they there? A lot of us don't know that they're there to go to war, to win God's family back. And that means your worth, my worth, your value, my value, is the God of the universe, the blood of Jesus, because you matter to him. You and I matter to God. When you're going through all the readings today, you know, I talked about this, this compassionate God who wants you and I back. I Look at Exodus 14, which is one of my favorite readings And it's going to happen for Brighton and for Gianna Knight as as that was a prefigurement of baptism, as the Egyptians, the soldiers, and their chariots were drowned in the Red Sea. Your sins are going to be drowned tonight. That is good news. So Jesus has come to rescue us and wash us as he washed the apostles at the First Supper, which is what we call the Last Supper, because it was the first Passover, it would be the last time they'd be with their Lord. And for all of us who are here tonight, how are we called to respond to that? If you receive good news, or if you've even watched a, a good movie or had, had a good meal, like, you just want to share it with other people. That means you and I have a mission. We have to share this good news with others because it doesn't end with death. Jesus is not weak. Our world has just so often brought up this Jesus who is just a pushover, and Christians are weak. But when you look at Jesus, and maybe you just look at Jesus for me with this, a second, like on the cross, like, you can't put God on a cross unless he wants to be there. What he's doing is he's baiting Satan. He's hiding behind human flesh. He's baiting Satan because he wants to go to hell, to go to behind enemy lines, to win everyone back, all the way back to our first parents of Adam and Eve. And he calls each person by name. And what he's done is he's conquered the powers of sin and death that you and I can't compete against. So often we're trying to fight battles that we cannot win. But he can't. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, when he rose from the dead, now he has resurrected wounds. You'll hear this next Sunday at Divine Mercy Sunday. He comes in the upper room, doors are locked because they're afraid because they just saw what happened to their best friend, brutally crucified and murdered, and they were all cowards because they ran away because they didn't really know what they needed. They didn't know what they needed to respond. He says, peace be with you. He shows him his wounds. And he says, peace be with you again. And then he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them. The reason why all the apostles remained unfaithful is because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. And for Gianna and for Brighton tonight, you're going to receive that Holy Spirit. You're going to receive the power of God. So then you can fight these battles by praying in the authority that God has given you as his beloved son or beloved daughter. When you're baptized, you have the authority to pray in the name of Jesus. And you can take his authority over fear, over death, over anger, over despair, over drunkenness, over lust. You couldn't do that before tonight. But after tonight, you can do that. And that's how we respond, this witness of being delivered. And you're going to be washed clean in water, blessed water, holy water. And then you're going to be confirmed. And we seal that with oil. And you get a new name tonight. I think it's so cool. I love the Catholic Church. Part of our response is, when you look at the Old Testament, Abraham, he first was Abram. But through his relationship with God, his name changed. Peter, before he met Jesus, his name was Simon. Paul, before he met Jesus, his name was Saul. So you're going to hear those who will be confirmed tonight receive new names. To, as, as they get adopted into the family. And a part of our response as St. Paul says, we have not received a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption in which you and I cry out, Abba, Father. So for those who are baptized and those who are about to be baptized, you, for the, you can call God your Father. He calls you my beloved son or my beloved daughter. And what has Jesus done for us? We looked at this a lot in the Rescue Project. Through his life, death, and resurrection, he's transferred us. So when you're ba- before you're baptized, you're a child, child of darkness, you're a child of the evil one. And what Jesus has done through baptism, he changes your passport from child of darkness to child of a light. Your papers get to change tonight. This is such good news. And for those of you who are, not ba- or who are baptized already, you get to renew that. You get to renew that. And this is such good news, but it's not just for us in here, it's for everyone. So our response must be we share him with others. We share what he's done in our lives. If we, if we come here and we're not filled with more hope, maybe we're not seeing reality right. Maybe we're living in a utopian mindset. We give thanks and praise to the Father tonight for sending his son to go to war with sin and death by rising from the dead after his crucifixion. He ascends to the Father, but his one, what, he, what he wants to give us all is this, his Holy Spirit. And if you want his Holy Spirit, you just have to ask. We have to remember that our God is a gentleman. He won't go anywhere. He's not invited. If you know me, my, my simple prayer I teach people is just come Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. It's the same Holy Spirit that He poured into Gianna and into Brighton tonight. And grace will be sealed with that in their confirmation. It's the same Holy Spirit that through the priests will change bread and wine into his body and blood. And then we're called to bring Jesus out these doors because, again, deaths of the Spirit are on the rise. But we have the saving message. We have the message that affords hope because our God has come to set captives free. Those who are addicted, those who are enslaved, and as we do 12-step work, we know that those who do not have God, who do not have a higher power, it says there is no hope for them because there's nothing stronger than their addiction. And we have a God who has bound up the evil one and has risen from the dead and has transferred us into his kingdom, where we can call him by name, as he calls us by name. In just a moment, we're going to be blessing the holy water, and you'll be sprinkled with that holy water. It's a remembrance of your baptism, not just to know who you are, but also whose you are. We give thanks and praise to God this night. And we give thanks and praise to God so much that for this whole week we call it the Easter octave. We celebrate Easter for eight straight days. Because this message is not meant to be stay, to stay in here. We're called to celebrate every day. That means for those who have been fasting, the fast is over. Go celebrate. We have good news. And as I'm up here on this mountaintop, as my dog likes going on mountaintops, we should be going to the mountaintops and telling people with joy about this good news. And just notice how, what I want to end with in this response notice how they, the Israelites responded in the book of Exodus today. After they saw their enemy washed up on shore dead, they danced, they danced for joy. And they sang and they worshipped the God of the universe. Because what they thought was impossible is no longer impossible. Because they trusted in this God who loves them. God is love and man does he love us. We give thanks and praise to him this night and we thank the Lord for going to war with sin and death to win us back because we matter to him. So come Holy Spirit and fall upon us. Help us believe that no matter where we are at, we are still redeemable. We can still be rescued. And Lord Jesus, please help us live in reality of who you are, of your infinite love for us. And help us know that there's not one sin that you can't forgive. And that you love bringing us back into communion with your family, the church. May Almighty God bless you and your families this Easter season. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.